All right. Well, I had said last week, and I've said it a couple times, that today would be the day we would talk about what a lot of churches call capital campaign, the raising the money for uh, the building. Obviously, um, for what it's costing to build it, we're hoping to raise a portion of that. Um, up until last night, I was struggling and struggling about uh, the message today, and it just got to the point, I said, God, I don't want to force it. I don't want to walk in without a piece, and so I... Andrew was working on a video for today, and I called Andrew late uh, yesterday evening. I said, hold off. I feel like God's putting the brakes on to talk about this today and had no idea what God was going to do. I said last night to my wife, I said, well, I'm in worse shape than normal. Not only am I not going to preach tomorrow what I've been trying to prepare for, but I have no idea what he wants me to say. So we may not have a, a sermon. We may not, I don't know, worship service. What is he wanting? I got up early this morning, came to the service, and as I began to just study and read and pray and I ran across a sermon I preached in 2013 that, that the light bulb came on and and I understood what God was doing he wanted me to cover another topic before we get to next week to prepare our hearts so this morning is about preparing our hearts to hear God's voice the title of the message is hearing aids hearing aids well there's a story about an older man who uh they, he went to the doctor about his hearing aids, and he said, I don't think these things ever worked, actually. Looking at them, you probably thought you had working hearing aids that never worked. He said, aren't, weren't you having a hard time hearing your family? So, yes, yeah. So he got them working and scheduled a follow-up visit, and the older man came back, and he said, well, I imagine you're really enjoying being able to hear your family now. And he said, well, kind of. He said, well, did you tell them that now you can hear them? He said, no. Actually, all I've done is the last three weeks have changed my will three times. Um, <laughs> There was an elderly woman who had returned from a worship service uh, late on a Sunday evening to find a burglar in her home. And she, startled by the burglar, just yells out, Stop! Acts 2.38! And so the burglar just freezes. Like he's almost spiritually just held in one spot. And so she, assuming that the scripture has rendered him uh, harmless, calls the police and sits back and waits for the police to get there. Police get there, the big man gives, begins to move, and they said, are, are you going to tell us that really the scripture, her yelling scripture at you, made you stop in your tracks and wait for us? He goes, scripture? All I heard her say is she has an axe and two thirty-eights. I didn't want to be chopped up or shot. Well, hearing can be a problem. Um, there's another man, he went to the doctor for his hearing. He said, really, before I talk to you about mine, he said, I'm, I said, I'm more concerned about my wife's. He says, she's stubborn and won't come to see you, and I'm really concerned about her hearing. And uh, I can't figure out how to get her in here. And he said, well, let's start with this. We'll do a simple hearing test you can conduct at home and find out how bad her hearing is. He said, just stand behind her about 15 feet and, and say something to her, and if she doesn't respond, move closer and closer. Make sure she doesn't see you. And as you get closer, then you'll find out where her, how much hearing loss she has. So he goes home, and he stands 15 feet behind her and says, honey, what are we having for dinner? No response. So he moves up to 10 feet. Honey, what are we having for dinner? No response. He moves up 5 feet. Honey, what are we having for dinner? Still no response. So he gets right behind her. Honey, what are we having for dinner? For the fourth time, we're having steak and potatoes. <laughs> so. Then there's the elderly couple that was going across country, and uh, they get stopped by highway patrol, and the highway patrolman says, he, he said, comes up to the window, and the, the wife is driving, and he says, Ma'am, I need your license and registration. 
or he says, I, and, and so um, she turned her husband, she turns to her husband and says, what did he say? And he said, he says he needs your license and registration. Oh, okay. Then the officer said, I stopped you for speeding. She turns to her husband. What did he say? He said he stopped you for speeding. Oh, okay. Finally, he looks at her license and says, you're from Arkansas. He said, I dated a woman in Arkansas back in the day, and she was the most stubborn woman I ever met on this planet. Wife turns to the husband and said, what did he say? He said he thinks he knows you. <laughs> All right, last, last one. This elderly lady went to the doctor complaining of draining and feeling of fullness in her ear, and after examination, the doctor initiated a conversation that went as follows. Why, madam, I think you have a suppository in your ear. Huh? Ma'am, I think you have a suppository in your ear. Huh? Shouting loudly, he says, in your ear, a suppository. And she says, oh, Lord, thank goodness. Now I know where I put my hearing aid. I'll let, I'll let that soak in a little. Well, some of the younger ones are like, suppository, what's that? Um, well, sometimes when we hear things out of context, they can bring a whole new meaning like uh, there's a church bulletin that the morning message was printed in there says the title of morning message is Jesus walks on the water. The only problem was the second the second message for that evening was searching for Jesus. <laughs> well, I want to take you on a little bit of journey here, and I want you to uh, use your imagination. Now, some of you may have been in the military, some not, but we're going to use a military context. We're going to say that you've been called uh, as a special forces uh, uh, operator to, to go to Siberia, in a remote area of Siberia, just yourself, to man a post, and you've got a mission to be there and make sure that that mission gets carried out. And you're, you've got a new commander who has given you the special radio, this high-tech radio, uh, just one channel. There's only one channel available, and that, that commander says, now listen, I'm going to send this with you, and when you get there, I'm going to give you instructions. So you get there, and he comes over the radio, and he says, now listen, the enemy has figured out how to get on this same channel. And you say, oh no, well, how am I going to know that it's you giving me orders? Well, there's particulars on how you're going to know that it's my voice over the radio. And so the commander uh, comes back and says, first, considering the situation, check every message supposedly from me against the policy and procedure manual I gave you. Since I wrote that policy and procedure manual, it's not likely that I'm going to violate anything on it, correct? Correct. Also, uh, if I'm not talking, don't focus on the noise over the radio and, and, and um, don't get distracted by that. If I'm not speaking, let the manual be your guide. If there's silence, don't just assume anything. Let the manual be your guide. Don't let any impersonating voice mislead you uh, and, and uh, cause you to have an overactive imagination. Then the second thing, this is how you'll know, the second thing, since the manual does not cover every situation, you will have to get to know my voice, and I know this will take time, and so I'm not likely to ask you to do anything too crazy right up front. We're going to have to get a baseline for us to understand what I might ask you to do, and you, once you get to know me better, then you'll start to assume what I would ask you and what I wouldn't. And over a time, as I ask you on greater and greater things, then I may be asking you to do radical things, but you'll know it's me because we built 
that relationship. The third thing the commander tells you is, over time, my overall purpose for your work on this mission will come into focus. You will begin to see the grand strategy, the big picture in the policy and procedure manual, and the overall pattern of my true instructions. When this happens, you'll know instantly if you hear hear through your uh, radio, if you'll hear it, and you'll know it's me, not just your imagination or enemy misinformation. False instructions will begin to appear silly to you, so take heart and get to work. And about the time this happens, after reflecting on this a few moments, you hear uh, what you think is a commander's voice again on the radio unit saying, abort the mission, close this operation till further notice, no questions asked. Hmm, you think about it for a minute. You look in the policy procedure manual and it says specifically that it's forbidden to, to cancel the mission. It's forbidden to quit the mission without written notice from the commander. Because you know your commander wouldn't tell you to do something against that policy and procedure manual and it wouldn't be that risky. And so you simply disobey that order. You don't close down the mission and you send back communication to your commander. I think I begin, I'm beginning to understand your instruction and know your voice. See, communication is vital to our walk with God. Revelation 3.22 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now listen, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to tell you that some of you, if you were able to hear God's voice, undeniably, booming, audible voice from heaven, it would change everything about your walk with the Lord right now, wouldn't it? I mean, church attendance would be like out of this world, right? Nobody would want to miss the opportunity to come together with God's people because God is speaking to me. And if he's speaking to me, then I want to come together with other like-minded people and us do God's work together because he's being obvious and vocal with me. Well, today I want to talk about the reason that sometimes we aren't hearing, the reasons we, the things we need to look to to be able to hear his voice because if you can hear God's voice and you know it's his voice, it changes everything about the way you serve him. There are six truths we need to understand when it comes to hearing God's voice. And the first one is, Hearing and faith go hand in hand. Big question in becoming a Christian and walking that life is how do I have faith? You know, faith is being able to follow God when I don't see Him. Being able to follow Him when I don't know exactly what He's doing. I can't see the spiritual realm. But God speaks to us through our minds and our hearts. And occasionally He speaks out loud in an audible voice. I myself cannot say I've ever heard a booming audible voice. I've never heard an audible voice. There's been times I thought I heard somebody say something and I, I think it might have been God. But many times he sp- spoke to me in a still, small voice. It's maybe been a thought that where did that come from? And then God begins to move on your heart. And you become emotional about what's been said. And you realize God is pulling at your heartstrings to follow what he said. John chapter 12, verses 28 through 30 says, Father, this is Jesus praying. Okay, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven came and said, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was around at the time heard it and said it had thundered. Is that thunder? Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said this, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. 
Why would Jesus say it was for their benefit and not His? Because He has constant communication with His Father. This is the Son of God who came from heaven into the flesh. And so He doesn't need to know that God's voice. He knows it all too well. But the others around, He knew they needed to know that it was Jesus. You remember Jesus is about to be rejected. He's about to be uh, taunted and humiliated, be executed, tortured. And so God spoke audibly. And many times... God will speak audibly when it's a time of great trial or great persecution. God knows when we need a sure word and what, what works around our lack of maturity in times of great need. And then if we were to look in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16-19, through 19, it says, we did, not follow, we did not follow cleverly intended stories when we told you about the power and the coming of of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we are eyewitnesses of His majesty. This speaks to my heart because many times God has done something great, mighty, and very specific speaking into my life. And I stand before you to give a sermon, and I'm just begging in my heart that by the looks in some faces that, that they are trying to reach God in a mighty and, and, and get a hold of His majesty and understand Him uh, in a greater way. But many times we feel He's silent. And so they go on, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. It goes on, we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the, on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do, do well to pay attention to it as to light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. What's it saying? When they heard God's voice, they had God's word too. They knew the words of the prophets who had said, this is what's going to happen down the road. And it's one thing to have someone say, you know, Ken, you know, down the road, God's going to uh, make you president of the United States. Well, that's all fine and good. That sounds like a big fairy tale to me. It's different when God's voice audibly booms and says, Ken, it's true. And so what they're saying is they were on that holy mountain. They heard it. And so now all the words that they had read and they had formed their belief in God around, now we're very alive and real in them. The second truth in learning to hear God's voice is God will do what he says. This is important. That sounds like just child's play, right? Well, of course, God's going to do what he says. But we are often looking for a sign or trying to figure out if we, if we are asking in the will of God. Yet if we know his word on many things, we can see exactly what the Lord says we should be praying for. There's sometimes we're looking like, what is God's will for my life? What does he want me to be doing right now? And, and we aren't even paying attention to what he's already written out instructions. Go and make disciples. Well, I'm really not actively pursuing that like I should. Well, then no wonder that you can't find out anything else about God's will for your life because you're not following the simple instructions he's given you. You see what I'm saying? It's not a guilt trip. It's just saying this is how God works. He's not going to trust you with bigger things until you can handle the simple things he's already laid out for you. Well, that's not so simple, Pastor CJ, going and spreading the word of God. Well, that's where his power, when you allow his power to come into your life, he helps you with those things. You know, things like, oh, Lord, should I tell my neighbor about you? I mean, they're really angry and cantankerous, and they keep throwing leaves over the fence into my yard. They obviously want to start a fight, and you're telling me to tell them about you? And we're and we like, Lord, is that really your will? Is that really you speaking for me to go tell my neighbor about you? When really we should be praying, Lord, send your Holy Spirit to prepare their heart to accept the truth. 
and lead me to recognize when you've set up that divine appointment and when it's time to say it. You see, that's praying in accordance with God's will. Because he already, he's already told you that you should share the gospel with everyone that you can. Romans 4.12, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls all things that are not as though they were. In other words, the things that we see and we think it's this way, the sky is blue, the sun is bright, the sun is hot, those things that we may declare, this is the way it is. God has the power and authority to say how things are going to be. God does what he says he'll do, and whatever he chooses to do, he does it in his timing. And when we pray in accordance with his word, and it lines up with his character and heart, he answers. Galatians 4, 23, and 29. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, Ishmael first, and then Isaac one by the slave woman Hagar, and the other by the free woman Sarah. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of the promise, the spirit. What's it saying there? That, that literally both boys were born natural birth, right? I mean, they didn't have hospitals, and, you know, but they were born, as we know, kids are born. But the scripture is differentiating those two births as one being in the flesh, one being natural, one being in the spirit. What is that telling us? Well, see, if you understand the story of Abraham and Sarah and then praying for a son, basically Abraham and Sarah, they got in too much a hurry for God's timing and Sarah devised this plan, go sleep with your slave girl and have a baby so that we can have a child. They're getting into old age. They can't wait, right? So does that. And so... This Ishmael mistake of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar is not uncommon. We're often deceived into thinking God needs our help. Well, well, God, it's not happened yet, so obviously you're needing me to do something about it, so I'm just going to step out. When sometimes he's saying, just wait on me. I've got the right timing, wait on me. You know, I got in an all-fire hurry about something with a building project. It won't make sense if I give you all the details. I'll just tell you, I learned this lesson this week. There's someone that I kept that I was put in contact with that, uh, you know, we'd try to get a hold of each other and not be good timing and everything. And so I'm trying to hustle and get some things done and go through someone else to get it done. And finally, yesterday, at the worst time that I could have had the meeting because I needed to work on a message for today, this person calls and says, now I can meet with you. It was about three hours I couldn't afford. But you know what? In that meeting, I found out why God, God's timing is just right. Because this person offered to do things way better than what I tried to work out myself. And what is praiseworthy of Abraham and Sarah is that after this false start, they remembered God's promise and got back to the simple faith and obedience, believing that God would help them, not vice versa. God would help them, not them help God. In Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act, or does he promise and not fulfill? You see, every one of us are used to even Christian and brothers and sisters in Christ letting us down. Maybe a slip up in integrity or promising things they can't hold up to. But see, that's not the character and nature of God. That's not a moment in, in their walk with the Lord where Jesus is really shining through them. We all have those times of faltering, but we have to understand with God, He is not a God who will say He'll do it and then won't. Or promise it and not fulfill the promise. God calls Isaac Abraham's only son in Genesis 22, 2, 12, and 16. 
God doesn't even recognize Ishmael as his son. Why? Because it was of Abraham and Sarah's and Hagar's own doing. It was their own work, not God's. And we see here that from God's point of view, the flesh counts for nothing. John 6, 63. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit of life. Do you understand that sometimes why you get so tired and weary trying to live a Christian life and go to work and pay the bills and do this, you get weary because you're doing it under your own power? And God doesn't count it for anything. I don't want my life to be wasted doing things under my own power where God in the end, I'm going to stand before Him and really life's just getting started because that's eternity to find out that a good majority of my past life counted for nothing. That while I had the time to really work it out when I had the problem of sin and I had the problem of the fallen world, that, that I didn't prove myself like I could have to God. I, I didn't really stand up and stand counted. So we also see, though, the good news is that God didn't remember Abraham's sin. Romans 4.3, what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, that mistake of Ishmael, once Abraham got it right, God forgets the rest. And a lot of us want to carry the past, but God forgot it. His mistakes were forgotten. Micah 7.19, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Isaiah 55, 1-11 says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Come, you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what, is not, what does not satisfy? Listen, this is, it says this word twice, listen. Listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come, and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen to this. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and the bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. Do you see what's going on here? It's not only that if we do things under our own power, but, but listen, if we don't take God's word and absorb it and apply it to our lives and, and plant it in our lives, then we don't produce what we need for, for food. We don't produce what we need in our lives to nourish us. And it doesn't give us any purpose in life because only his purpose is what matters. It says God's word never returns void. When you operate in what God speaks into existence, and realize I said what God speaks into existence, you will achieve the purpose and plan He has for your life. Listen, this is why it doesn't work to just say positive things. You know, there is a lot of this going around that if you just talk positive. I, I've got a dear friend that I went to Bible school with that I really fear for him and his ministry because I'm seeing a lot of self-help things that, that are supposedly you know, sermons and encouragement, but it's self-help. It, 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 it's all about the power of positive. But see, listen, 
It's not so positive when you find out that you're dying of cancer or you lose your job or, or that your spouse is about to leave you even though you thought you are doing everything according to God's will. You see, because it's not what you speak into your life that, that actually is the reality. It's what God speaks into your life that's reality. What He has planned for your life. This leads me, third is discernment is the key. And before I get into that, let me just say one last thing on that last point. The point I'm getting at is sometimes you have little things in your life that you're not ready to turn over to God that keep you from ever experiencing the big things for, that He has for you. You know, I can pick on the things we normally pick on in church, the outside things, let's, you know, things that harm our body, overeating, smoking, drinking, all these things that we, we've, in history we picked at. We can get into the, the deeper things, the, the pornography and the things that, that trap people and addictions. But listen, here's the thing. Sometimes we're hanging on to this thing saying, God, I want you to work in me, but I'm just not ready to let go of this one thing. And God can't speak to us because we're, we're literally being rebellious saying, I don't want anything else. I want to keep this, and I want you to add to that. And God's saying, no, I want you to let go of that so I can send you on to greater things. But when we talk about spiritual gifts, discernment is an important gift for identifying and recognizing God's voice. Discernment is a thing that lets us know it's not the enemy, it's God's voice. Or that's not God's voice, it's the enemy speaking. In Matthew 17, 5, it wasn't hard to discern God's voice. While, we were still, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now wouldn't that make it easier if God just come down, big pillar of smoke, into your living room, right? And say, listen, these words in the Bible, that's from my son. I'm well pleased with him. Do them. You know, we're left to our own device. Like, oh, I need to spend time in God's Word. And if I just read that, it just fix everything in my life, right? Outside of a miraculous visitation and audible voices, our general problem is one of hearing God's still small voice. And how do we hear that still small voice? Well, the level of hearing God, His Spirit, comes through promptings to our heart, to our minds, which are generally low risk when you're a new Christian. Or when you're not spiritually mature. God may tell you to call someone late at night. And you didn't hear an audible voice. You just felt like I should call this person. And let me tell you how that's played out in my life. The more I'm obedient to that, he begins to open up this whole new world. I called at that right moment. Or I'm, I'm praying for somebody. Or I'm going down the road. I never even thought of that person that whole day. And all of a sudden they come to my mind and I have a little bit of concern in my heart for them. And I text them and say, hey, look, God's giving me a warning for you. You must be in the middle of something right now. And you know what? I don't know that a time I can think of where I've been wrong. Because it's not me. It's God. And God's never wrong. But the more you do that, and the more you trust that still small voice, next thing you know, your whole day is in operation like that. You don't, it's not like you're firing all cylinders all the time, but you're walking saying, you know what? I'm thinking about this person. It must mean that God wants me to contact them. And you start falling through with that. And listen, the times you get burned is when you heard that several times and you didn't, you find out later they're going through a struggle and you got too busy for them. And those hurt. Sometimes we'll go wrong. But if we humbly reflect on our errors, we gain confidence for future promptings. I think about Samuel hearing the voice of God. If we were to read in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, this is where Samuel, the boy Samuel, uh, uh, ministered before the Lord under Eli. It was kind of like he was in ministry training. 
uh, his uh, mother had let him go to be under Eli. And so it's at night, and he keeps hearing this uh, voice say, Here I am. Um, or he, he, he keeps hearing a calling. He says, Here I am. You called me. And he thinks it's Eli. Come to find out after several times, he realized, uh, uh, Eli tells him, Go back to bed and say uh, to the Lord, uh, Speak, for your servant is listening. And so God speaks to Samuel. So it's okay to be cautious when you think you're hearing God's voice. He wants you to grow in him and get better and better at discerning when it's him. There's been people in the past, we've joked about it. It's not really a joke, but we got into like, um, name it and claim it. God's told me I, I, I uh, should have that Cadillac I can't afford, right? And that's the cliche about it. It was always a Cadillac, right? So he went out and signed papers for the Cadillac, only to find out God's not paying the payments for you, right? It was something that you, uh, that you thought you wanted. So remember that God knows the enemy, and he's always trying to talk over God. So the enemy wants to twist what God says to you. Just like in that example, the radio communication, he wants to bring static, or he wants to clearly try to lead you the wrong way. Proverbs 14, 15, A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. We've had friends that buy into every infomercial, every get-rich-quick scheme there is. They're always going to this conference and starting to sell this thing or sell that thing. And they go there and the hype and everything. And like, oh, if you just get this and, you know, look at all the millionaires we produced, you know. And uh, uh, what they forget to tell you is those five millionaires basically made that off all your entry fees for the conference or to get to the next level. The problem is that we're on a hostile channel. There's one channel with one exception. The power of the Holy Spirit, when you begin to... Uh, when the gift of speaking in tongues or speaking other languages. You know, Satan can't interfere with that. That's the purpose of that. But most of the time, when we're not in that mode, we've got the problem that the enemy's trying to use the same channel God is and speak to our hearts. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. 2 Timothy 3, 3-17. Evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith in, in Christ Jesus. There are times when you have to just resolve in your heart that I can't seem to hear God's voice right now. I'm getting confused as to what I'm hearing. I think the enemy might be talking to me and, and I, my friends might be telling me things and my Christian friends are telling me things. But in the end, if I can stay to God's word, I know that that is truth. And in those midst of that time, you can't waver. You can't say, you know what? Uh, God must not be wanting me to do this because he's not speaking to me. Go to his word because he has instruction there for you. Go to the manual. We must learn to walk a straight line before attempting to walk a tightrope. Tightrope walkers don't just jump on a tightrope and try to walk a canyon. They, they practice with tape on the floor first. And they move up to a line a few feet, uh, a rope to a few feet off the floor. So there's, there's a little safety. And God walks us through those kind of steps, trying to build our, our faith and build our strength to be able to handle that. In Romans 7, 21 and 23, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. How many feel that way sometimes? Best of intentions, right? 
And evil's right there waiting, knocking at the door, saying, this is much easier. For my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets in itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This really, those scriptures really back up what we get into the Beatitudes and, and uh, don't even be the kind of person to get angry. You know, you've heard not to murder, but don't even be the kind of person to get angry. Those are the weapons. That's how we fight the spiritual battle is we, we let God prepare and chisel away at our heart that we aren't even the kind of people that will move towards evil. If we learn to discern God's voice in the small things by acting on God's low-risk promptings and finding them validated with, the, with fruit that lasts, then God may prompt us to tell that person I'm going to heal them. That, that's, a, that's a challenge I have not yet got to where and you know God's told me before that he wanted to heal somebody and I want to walk over to him and say, get out of that hospital bed and walk. And why can't you just get yourself to do it? Because that lack of faith. You know, I have faith one day that we're going to be so full and even the new building with people getting saved and everything that, that Cephas, I may have to put your name on the floor make sure somebody doesn't take your spot. That God's going to send a harvest, that we're, we're doing all the things that he's asking us to, that he's going to honor that and send a harvest of souls. Matthew 15, or 25, verse 21 proclaims, The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You see, many of you are wanting God to bless you in your job. You're wanting Him to bless you in your family or in other ways, financially or or spiritually. But listen, He's wanting you to be faithful in the small things He's already put in front of you. We don't need to be double-minded or resort to psychological gymnastics. If we're spending more time feeding our mind with the things the world produces, uh, movies, internet, or just the pursuit of money or whatever it is, and, and not the word of God or fellowship of God's people, then it's much easier to hear two voices and to be double-minded. I really want God to want me to have more money. I really want God to want me to have more friends. I want, really want God to uh, want me to have more souls. But... It comes down to if I can't do good with what God's given me, He's not going to trust me with more. Romans 12.2 Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will not know what God wants you to do. Then you will know, I'm sorry, then you will know what God wants you to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. James 5.15, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The fourth truth about hearing God's voice is not listening robs you of blessings. Not listening robs you of blessings. God wants to speak to us and speak to us often. But the problem is many times we aren't listening. Jeremiah 6.10, to whom I can speak and give warning. 
Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them and they find no pleasure in it. Now listen, I, I don't look for, to surround myself by agreeable people. You know, yes people. That no matter what I say, because, you know, I may be the, the preacher or the pastor, but no matter what I say, you just follow it. No. But there are times when I know the Lord is speaking truth for me, and I'm trying to, to help someone, and maybe it's difficult to hear, and all they can hear is, you're, you're against me. I, I don't want to hear that. But what we see from that scripture we just read in Jeremiah 6.10 is that there is pleasure, there's joy in knowing and hearing from and understanding God. That listen, if we change that around and understand that, hey, this correction may hurt, but it's meant for my good, there's joy in that. That, that a parent who loves their child well enough to correct them. You know, how, how much disdain do you have if you see a little toddler wander around in a yard with no fence in the front yard on busy street and no parent in sight, and you know that they can't see them? Now, now some of you parents, how are you going to feel about that parent? You're going to think, what in the world? That precious child, and they have no regard for their safety. What's going on? You see, see, God in his correction even it shows his love, and we have to understand that he's a good heavenly father, and sometimes he's correcting us because he doesn't want us to wander out in the street and get run over. The fifth truth about hearing God's voice is obedience perpetuates dialogue with God. Obedience perpetuates dialogue with God. Often we ask God to speak to us only to hear back. And if you're so interested in, in, in what I think, then why don't you do the last thing I told you? And that's what we would hear from God. If you're so interested in hearing from me, then why won't you do the last thing I told you? O obedience is the response that keeps the dialogue going. If we refuse to do what God tells us in the little things, we risk defeating our spiritual, or, or deafening our spiritual ear. If we refuse to do what God speaks in the, in the, little thing, in the big things, we ri risk his, his rebuke. Imagine your child coming to you with great, great joy and saying, please tell me what you'd like me to do for you. And you tell your child, well, go and clean your room. And your child goes on their way happy because they're, they're trying to please their parent and they don't clean the room. And their child comes back to you again and your child comes back and says, okay, now what would you like me to do for you? Well, I want you to clean your room. Okay, and they go off happy again. And you see the pattern. Now after a while, and I had Danny's dad, Danny, in first service, and I can tell you his response, but what are you going to do, parent, after four or five times if you tell them, go clean your room? Does, does your tone change? Does your response to them change? Now they can come back to you smiling every time and all happy and joyful. Oh, I just love to worship you, Dad. Oh, I just love to be in your presence, Dad. Oh, I just love, I just love what your I love what your word says, Father. I just love to just read it and just soak it up. Go clean your room. Oh, how I love to worship you. Right? Oh, I can see this, sing the songs on the screen, and, and they're beautiful words. Okay, we'll do those. Oh, boy, I love the tune of that song. You see what I'm saying? There's many times we get really into happy, into doing church and, and being a Christian. But it's a whole other world when we have to become obedient to what we say we're going to do when he asks us to do it, right? It's another thing to sing. It's one thing to sing. It's another thing to do it. 
It's one thing to hear it and say amen. It's another thing to walk out those doors and to do it, right? It's kind of like, you know, when I, my boys, they wanted to, when they're younger and dad's into guns, I want a gun. Okay, well, you can start with a little cat gun. And don't shoot in the house because it's annoying, right? Go outside, shoot your caps. Okay, well, if you're obedient with that, then I'll, I'll, get, you, I'll get you one of those little soft air guns, okay? Just don't shoot it in anybody's eye, okay? And they handle that. And, and then you get the BB gun and say, now this one, really, you've got to be careful. You'll shoot your eye out, kid, right? And so you get them the BB gun. And, and now, next thing you know, they're first shotguns. And now they're, they're getting to be training with Mr. Aura and how to, how to shoot a handgun, right? And, and they're 10 years old, and you're thinking, how do, you, how do you trust them with that? Well, it was this slow fade, right? It was this process that they've gained my trust because they've been obedient. And, and did they ever mess up? Yes, and we had hard, swift correction. You never point that play gun at somebody's head because if you do it with a play gun, you'll do it with the real one. You never, you never play. We, we do let them do nerf shooting out games, but you know we, they understand that guns are dangerous. And so in the same way, when God's already told you, this is how I want you to live your life. This is the best for you. It's written down in my word. Follow it. And, and you give no credence to that, but you come into a touchy-feely good worship time and, and you think somehow he's going to tell you some great thing for your life He's going to give you some great direction for your life and all of a sudden it's going to be rosy and you don't really have to dig in the trenches and learn his word and apply it to your life. You can just go off the touchy feeling and come in and through some worship songs and okay, now I'm good with God. And he's saying that doesn't count for anything. You're wasting your life because I have specific instructions for you. And when it's of the Spirit, when it's born of the Spirit, from my, my, my word, which is my also my spirit, when, when it's connected with that, then it counts for much. Don't live an Ishmael life where you're always trying to do it your own way on your terms and help God out. He's saying, listen for my voice and when you obey and when you wait on my timing, I'm going to bring you that Isaac, that one you've been waiting for. And I'm not going to remember about the Ishmael. It doesn't count. I don't even count him as your son. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do you know that what I'm preaching right now, as flawed as I am, and as rough as it is, is to listen to me sometimes, that the part where it's God's word, not my opinion, that if you walk out of here with this and you don't apply it to your lives, you're deceiving yourselves. You've deceived yourselves. By God's word, you deceive yourselves. The last one, but not the least, the sixth truth is truth comes only from God. And if you have the truth, it will do what? It will set you free. You see, truth only comes from the Lord. And so we all know we must be listening for His voice. And when, even when your pastor is, um, is held accountable to only uh, feed you, the Lord is saying, I have, tread out, I have to tread out the grain uh, with fear and trembling. I have to take God's word. I have to apply it to my life and work that out in fear and trembling in my life. When it tells me that I'm supposed to uh, tithe, test me in this, and I will open up the floodgates and I will bless you, well, don't just think that's great, but I'll do it whenever I think I have the money to do it. Not for a new song's sake. It doesn't matter if you leave here and go to another church. Same principle applies. It's God's word. As long as you want to be a believer of, of, of Christ and you want to be a follower of Christ, those apply. It goes into to the things you feed your mind. It says don't don't. Let those thoughts rest in your head, those stray thoughts that are harmful for you. You do it anyway. You entertain yourself with lustful thoughts. Guess what? It's going to harm you. 
Isaiah 30.20 Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way to walk in. So here, this is where we're coming down to. How do I know God's voice? So even in the struggles, even in the hard times, if you will, if you will let the Lord take you through that and you will trust Him, that through those times, He will point your path straight for you. There's no more having to pray, God, please show me your will. Please show me your will. Follow His Word. Let Him apply it to your life. Do what the Word says, and He will make your path clear. John 10, 2-5, The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Whether it be addiction or whether it be overeating or whether it be uh, harming your body with, with tobacco or whatever it is, all those things that we like to point out, especially the ones on the outside, what, what we're saying here is that as you trust God and you begin to listen to his voice, those things that you think you can't get rid of, that you can't be separated from, that that's just going to be the way it is during life, and you're going to be that believer that just has to have that one thing, that the closer you get to God and following his word, eventually when the enemies try to speak to you and say you need that thing, or you need that vice, or you need that bad relationship, or you need it, you'll run the other way. Listen, there's faith-based 12-step programs. I, I agree that they are needed. But whatever happened to people being supernaturally delivered? And whatever happened to people being able to turn because from, from the power of things that grab their lives because the power of God has transformed their lives? I think it's because we're losing the ability to hear God's voice and we're losing our desire to hear His voice. With all that's gone wrong in the world, we need the church to be leading this, the, to be teaching the, 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 our children and our children's children how to hear God's voice. I want you to meditate on these things, these six truths I want you to meditate on this week, and I'm going to review them for just a second with you. But here's why. Here's the reason God didn't want me to go into our building campaign and, and raising funds today. Because we first have to hear his voice. I could go tell you this is how much we need to raise, but God's got to tell your heart how much you're supposed to give. And I don't want to get up here and it be like some kind of TV evangelism thing where we've got the help or the helpline going and, and uh, if you give us this much money, we'll send you the little prayer cloth and all that. There's no hokiness to this. When it's God, it has to be his voice telling you what to give or we'll never succeed. And I've got to tell you, it, it's a big it's a big goal that God's putting on my heart. But another thing is God's been working on my heart about what Jen and I will do to lead it. Because I believe anything I ask you to do in God's economy, I need to do bigger. And it's not comfortable for us either. But next week, I need you to be praying about what God would speak to your heart to pledge towards the building program. And I'm going to believe that He's going to put it in your heart to where when I share with you what God's got for us next week, it's going to be no shock to anyone. Those who have spent time in prayer this week and prayed, whether it's a number he has to put in your heart or whether it's just the concept of what he wants us to do, we're going to all be on the same page if you'll commit to praying. You won't have to duck next service and, and you know, go to Pastor Pillow and Sister Sheets for your service tomorrow, uh, next Sunday morning because you're afraid of what, the, the, what might be in the message. 
that God's going to reveal to you His plan as if you sat with me while I prepared the message for next week. I believe that. So I want to give you those six again. Here it is. Hearing and faith go hand in hand. You have to have faith that He will speak because hearing and faith go hand in hand. Secondly, trust Him because God will do what He says. Number three, pray for discernment to know when it's His voice because discernment is the key. Number four, don't let yourself be robbed because number four, not listening robs you of blessings. Number five, be obedient to God because obedience perpetuates dialogue with God. And six, and finally, settle in your heart now that truth comes only from God. The only way you're going to be free in your life is to have the truth, and the truth only comes from God. There may of you, maybe somebody here today, you're saying, I, I, that's all fine and good, Pastor CJ, but I just don't know how to hear God's voice. You've got the keys here. You've got the keys. He's not necessarily going to drop down a cloud and first thing, boom, his voice. Because, listen, if you're struggling in some of the small things, he can't trust you with a big showing like that. So this is what we're trying to do this week. We're going to hear from God, not just for the capital campaign, not just for the building, but for everything that comes next for New Song. I was thinking about this the other day, that about that whole shepherd and the voice thing. I thought, Lord... Imagine a shepherd has to be a really good communicator. Because otherwise, you know, he's going to confuse the sheep and they're going to go all different directions. And so I started thinking, Lord, what if I'm not the communicator these folks need? And I feel like the Lord was just telling me, you know, when those sheep go out, and I think I alluded to this in another sermon, it's families, right? It's mama sheep, papa sheep, and the little sheep. And that shepherd really just has to have the attention of really one of the, the leaders of that family because if he has the attention of that one, then the others are going to follow the, the, the voice of their parent. And, and so God's not called me to, to try to lead your family for you. God's called me to lead, lead some here and for them to lead their families. And next week we're going we're gonna to spend time in prayer and I'm going to believe that God is going to speak so clearly to the heads of the homes here that, that literally what happens in the next year will blow you away. It's going to be a year of favor. For one, you'll know that you're finally living with the truth of God in your life. You'll be hearing His voice. He's going to challenge you in ways to give. And He's going to prove to you that when you give, He will pour out His blessings on you. Never known the righteous to be begging for bread. God will provide. I want us to spend a little time in prayer before we close. I want to go back to one of the main points that I made at the very beginning before we got into those six truths. And that is this, that for many of you, whether you've been a Christian a long time or this is still new to you, any questions you have in your heart about how God operates and how real He is in your life really comes down to hearing His voice. Because you can read God's Word but unless you hear his voice, it's, it's just another rule book to some. Unless he makes himself real to you, you're, you're just going to look at it as a, a, another thing that's hard to accomplish in your life. It's really the Holy Spirit has to illuminate his word and, and apply it to your life in such a way that you say, you know what, I see God's wisdom in this. I see what I need to do in my life. And so I'm going to be praying for you this week, and you pray this week that God speaks to your heart. 
And that by the time we come back next Sunday, that God will prepare our hearts. That, that God will have spoken to some here. And I'm going to believe that some, that some of you, God is going to speak in such a way that it's going to revolutionize your walk with Him. All of a sudden, there's going to be a hunger in you like you've never had for the things of God. That your conversations with others are going to be, you're going to go to work and you'll be like, i got to find people to talk to about God. I mean, if, if the unbelievers won't hear me, I just need to talk about Him. That, that I'm so hungry to just be talking about my Lord and Savior that everything else seems secondary. We get caught up in our work and our jobs and our life that we, we somehow fall into this default that we're going to wait till Sundays or Wednesday nights and then God's going to really just bring our spiritual life alive. And, and so we, we, we look to whether that worship time is going to be fulfilling or disappointing. Whether that, that message is going to be fulfilling or disappointing. And we begin to look at these church services like this is our relationship with God. And it's not. This is about our relationship with each other as a body of believers. Your relationship with God is those times when you're on the way to work and you stop for a minute, you turn on the radio and say, Lord, I want to spend time with you. You begin to worship Him and praise Him on the way to work. It's those break times when you're like, you know what, I'm just going to go sit in the break room, I'm going to bow my head, I'm going to begin to pray for all my coworkers. You know what, I could go home and veg out in front of the TV and, and not do anything tonight because I deserve it because of a hard day. Or I could go take my spouse by the hand and, and speak into their lives and pray over them. You know, we could go to God's Word and find out some answers for the things we're going through because they're in there. See, that's where it becomes more about a relationship and living a life, a Christ-centered life, than it is just about being a church member or just being a Christian. Christ follower. Every day, every minute, following Him. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank You, Lord, for Your Word, for Your Spirit at work in us. God, I thank You for each and every person here. Lord, I want You to, to please, Lord, that You would just draw us closer together, Lord, that our hearts would be bound together, Lord, to encourage each other, that, Lord, as we walk this journey together, that no one would feel alone, that, Lord, that You'd mobilize the people in this room, that, that, God, it's not just the pastor and his family, but every time there's someone put on someone's heart, God, they'll make that phone call. They'll go visit, Lord. They'll reach out. But Lord, you'll begin to minister to the needs of the people through the people. That God, each one of us will become ministers of the gospel. And, Lord, we pray that as we do this, Lord, and as we give of our time and our resources, God, you'll bless these homes face will shine down upon them. And we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love y'all. And make sure you come next week. It's going to be very important. I know that's a holiday weekend. Um, somebody had to tell me that in first service. I forgot. <laughs> but it is a holiday weekend next week. And so I know there's a few traveling. But if you can all be here, trust me, you won't want to miss it. Um, God very intentionally slowed us down make sure next week is everything it should be so love y'all have a blessed sunday see you then